Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Radio.com Red Zone today will take you to Detroit, to Cleveland, and to the nation's capital, which is where I begin this morning. Today in the nation's capital, not on a football field or a basketball court or the ice, it's one of the darkest days in our nation's history, even though Twitter is celebrating it as Merry Impeachments. Impeachments. That's the top trending topic on Twitter in the United States. Today, Donald Trump will become the third president in our nation's history to get impeached. That is inevitable. There will be a few Democrats that might join Republicans in voting no on one of the two articles of impeachment, but essentially straight down party lines. It will go to the Senate. It will be over faster than a Mike Tyson fight early in his career. He will be acquitted by a Republican majority in the Senate. But at the end of the day, our polarization of our politics will be complete. This country will be split in half, just about 50-50. No Twitter. There is nothing to fucking celebrate about this day. Not if you are a Republican or Democrat or an independent. This is a dark day in our nation's history. And for me, it's another day to love sports. Yes, sports has turned into a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week cable debate, sometimes screaming and angry and shouting, but at the end of the day, we love our teams and our players far more than we hate the other teams or the other players. Sports, in the end, is what brings us together, and our nation's politics are bringing us further apart God bless the sport of football and baseball and basketball and hockey and soccer and lacrosse. Ross Tucker joining us now from Pennsylvania. Good to see you, my friend. Your thoughts on impeachment on this historic day? Yeah, impeachment. Happy impeachment, Dave. Uh, My thoughts are that if I hadn't noticed that it was trending on Twitter, happy impeachment, I would not have known that the voting was today. And so my question for you, Dave Briggs, does that make me a bad person? Does that make me a bad citizen of these United States of America that I don't allocate time to the polarization and disappointment that is national politics and the polarization of our country? It does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a bad citizen, but it does make you uninformed on one of the most important days in our nation's history, Ross. This day will be studied by your children and by their children and by their children. 
this day will be in the textbooks of our lives. Okay, but Dave, but Dave, let me let me say you. This yeah. is the second or third time we've talked about this over the yeah. last month or so, and the first time or two, you told me he's not going to get impeached. Like, okay, he's being impeached today. So what happens yes. if you actually get kicked out? What's that called? Well, that's removed, impeached, oh. and removed. Okay. Um, but he will so be he's acquitted. getting impeached today, but he's yes. not going to actually get removed. And you told me a while ago that he was not going to get removed. So I just kind of tuned out. I do have two questions for you. This is not a politics show, but these are the eight minutes I'm going to allocate to politics in the month of December, maybe in the year 2019. Question number one. What do you think or what are the experts or whatever you're an expert think the impact of the impeachment will be on the 2020 election? Because it seems to me like that's what actually matters. Those are as split as our politics, although I do believe that there are many even on the left that fear this ultimately could help Republicans in the 2020 election the same way it did uh, the last time we went through this as a nation. Some feel that the country is going to be so fed up with what Democrats are putting the country through that they might do well in 2020. Ultimately, I don't think it will have any impact on who wins the White House. By the time that rolls around, I think by now your opinions are pretty baked in on Donald Trump the man, on Donald Trump the leader, on the importance of the economy. My opinion is that ultimately, in the end, people are already concrete. They already decided on whether they can vote for Donald Trump or cannot. You know, what's interesting about that is I, I'm not sure I am. I'm not, you know, like I, I, I don't know what I'll do in, you know, the 2020 election. So I guess on some level, I am one of the people that could switch. I'm in an important state in Pennsylvania. My question for you is, do you think he probably should be removed based on the evidence that's been presented? Like, forget the voting along party lines, but right. based on the snippets of information that I've seen, there's definitely a lot of smoke there that they they were in cahoots with these foreign nations in this manner, correct? Yes. Now, we do need to hear from some people that ultimately we won't hear from. That is the chief of staff, that is the national security advisor, and that is the secretary of state. Those are three witnesses that should be heard from all parties. All Americans should agree to that. Without hearing from them, and more importantly to me, where we are on the calendar, will be just weeks before the election gets underway in earnest with the Iowa caucus. I actually think, and I'm pretty moderate, uh, I think what's going to happen is actually the right result. Being impeached in the House, being acquitted in the Senate, because ultimately I do believe the American people should be informed of what the president did and what he will do again if he is reelected. And if you want to reelect him and say, I'm fine with that happening again, Okay, 
fine. I do believe the American people need to hear what he did. And the only way they're going to do that in this polarized cable news atmosphere is via an impeachment hearing and trial. So I actually think the way this will play out is probably the right way based on the election being right around the corner. Got it. Okay. Well, good to All know. Right. Very and, good. And uh, I'm ready. Sports. Sports. Here we go. Sports. But, you know, un unfortunately, we go from a dark day in our nation's capital to what they are calling one of the darkest days in Detroit Lions history. Oh, jolly. But at least we're talking about football now and not politics. Why is it a dark day in Detroit? Because that team, the Lions, are struggling. They've lost seven straight. They've lost 10 of 11. But yet they are keeping their head coach, Matt Patricia, and they are keeping their general manager, Bob Quinn. And that is why I would love to work for Martha Firestone Ford. Boy, would I love an employer that is that forgiving. Matt Patricia, 9-20-1 in his stint with the Lions. For context, Jim Caldwell was fired from the Lions, 36-28 and in four years, two playoff appearances. We should all have a boss as forgiving as Martha Firestone Ford. But let's get the ground level on this. Let's hear from the hosts and the callers and the fans when this news went down yesterday and how they reacted this morning on 97 won the ticket as we fire up our radio.com red zone in Detroit. Jesus Jones, I hate this franchise. What insufferable losers. They've been nothing more than a league's wet wipe. They get to play the victim. This is this is so on brand Lions. Poor us. It'll be different next year. All the league is injuries, but ours are worse. You know what I think? I'll tell you what I think. I think they put a bunch of guys on IR the last couple weeks to set this narrative up. That's exactly what I think. I think they have an IR their quarterback because they're kissing his ass. All this team does is play the victim. I wouldn't put it past them to throw a few borderline guys that if they were in the playoff hunt, they wouldn't be on the IR. I'll bet you they threw them on there. So they could set up this narrative in their little secret meeting. That's all this team has ever been. The victim. Poor us. Everyone's out to get us. The league's out to get us. The refs don't like us. Roger Goodell, help us. The league, help us. We can't hire a coach. Help us, help us, help us. That's all they are. That's all they are. You know exactly how it went. Martha, you don't understand. Stafford got her. We've so much. Oh, we'll be better next year. By the way, question. Um... The expectation will be be a playoff contender. So like it's okay if you're eight and eight, but miss, but contend. Today to me is as dark a day as there's been in the history of the Detroit Lions since I've been following them. And I don't mean dark as in some of the horrible things that have happened to them off the field. And I'm not talking about human tragedy. I'm talking about as a fan base. The Lions fans yesterday, in my mind, Stoney got kicked in the teeth and in other portions as well. And I think this is a funeral of sorts today. I think what they were able to do yesterday was effectively put out the final flame of fan passion, if any even existed in this town anymore. Because we talked about how apathetic fans were. Mm -hmm. A funeral put out the final flames of passion 
burning in the Detroit fans. Radio.com Red Zone started there. 97 won the ticket in Detroit. I'm a big believer that loyalty is one of the great qualities in sports. What you see the Roonies do. Just not in this case, Ross. I feel Matt Patricia was hired to show some progress, most notably on the defensive side of the ball, where they are allowing 402 yards per game, 31st in the NFL. That has nothing to do with, well, little to do with Matt Stafford missing several games and now going on the IR. And Matt Patricia, the defensive genius from Bill Belichick, 26.6 points per game, only six teams worse than that. Did the ownership make the right call? So I think you can make a decent argument, Dave, either way. I I really do. Um, In general, I think that organizations, society, the NFL, are too quick to make changes typically. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in Detroit if they had made a change. I think that the stronger argument probably would have been firing Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn and moving forward, especially when you consider – they were what nine and seven, the last year of Jim Caldwell. Then they went to yeah. six and ten, and now they're not going to win any more games this year. They're going to end up being three, twelve, and one. So it's kind of like playing trains, automobiles, Dave. They're going the wrong way. But I will submit to you both arguments. Right, the argument to keep Matt Patricia would be that earlier in the year they were playing pretty darn good football with Matthew Stafford. In fact, it was Matthew Stafford's best football in a long time since, I don't know, 2014, maybe 2017, 2016. I mean, Matthew Stafford in the first eight games was completing almost 65% of his passes, 19 touchdowns, five picks, almost four to one there, 8.6 yards per attempt, which is crazy, 2,500 yards passing. He was on his way to 5,000 passing yards. That was halfway through the year, and they were three, four, and one, including, Dave, wins in Philadelphia, a win against the Giants, a win against the Chargers. But here's the thing. They tied the Cardinals week one. They should have won that game. Their losses, though, four points at home to the Chiefs, one point on the road in Green Bay, close game to the Vikings, a touchdown against the Raiders. So the argument in favor of keeping Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn is this. They were playing well first half of the year. Matt Patricia got hurt. I mean, Matthew Stafford got hurt. And obviously, the bottom dropped out after that. And if they get Stafford back next year, and he's playing the way he played the first half of this year, they will be playing meaningful games in December. They will be a playoff contender. And I kind of like that Martha Ford put those stipulations on. I kind of like that they're going into next year with a standard that if they're not playing meaningful games late in December and in the playoff push at a minimum, he's gone. And I do think in general, 
that teams are a little too quick to make change. I don't think firing your coach every two years and cycling through is necessarily the best recipe for success. That said, I think the stronger argument is the one that you posited, Dave, which is they were nine and seven football team and they're going the wrong direction. They're getting worse. I do believe what we heard from some of the Detroit audio there in terms of them putting all these guys on IR on purpose, Matthew Stafford not playing again this year. I'm not sure that if situation circumstances weren't different, they would have got him back out there. And the most damning thing is the defense because they haven't had that many injuries on defense. And that's supposed to be Matt Patricia's strength. And they've been horrible on that side of the ball. That would be the big negative. So I could sit here and you know, Dave, I don't, I don't ride fences. I'm not that guy. I could make arguments either way. I think in this case, the argument to move on from Patricia and Quinn was stronger than the argument to keep them. But I understand the reasoning and logic to keep them. I think you have to get him out of here. I think uh, Quinn's in, I believe, year four and has another high pick. And look what he did with the last one. Didn't like taking the, the tight end, TJ Hawkinson, a great player, but at number eight, just too high. Letting him take another crucial pick for your organization. And to me, what Patricia's done with this defense, 402 yards per game, inexcusable. I have to move on, which again makes me wonder about the lack of coaching tree. Oh, and I should add one more thing. Martha Ford also said the team is not for sale. There were some reports that Jeff Bezos, uh, Amazon founder, owner, has been visiting Detroit a couple of times and is prepared to buy the team next year. She shot down that. Stay tuned, though. Usually where there's smoke, there's fire. But there is not anywhere in sight a Bill Belichick coaching tree, unless, of course, Matt Patricia really turns things around and there begins to sprout some buds from a tree that has never bloomed and, quite frankly, will never do bloom. You could argue Bill O'Brien has been successful with the Houston Texans, mildly, 51-43, and 43. Not extraordinary, one and three in the postseason. Mike Vrabel doing well with the Titans. I don't consider him part of that tree. Yes, played for Belichick, but coached at Ohio State and with the Texans. Jury is obviously still out on Brian Flores. One year they're tanking. I do love the passion they're playing with, but we're a long way from a decision there. Does it make you feel differently about Bill Belichick's greatness that there is no hint of a coaching tree, and in my estimation, pump the tires on Josh McDaniels. There'll never will be a Belichick coaching tree. That's not what goes on in New England. There is one man, and he don't care if he teaches these guys how to coach. You know, this is a really interesting topic, Dave, on multiple levels, uh, because with Belichick not having a coaching tree, that's been very successful. I think you could argue just on the Belichick part of it. Does that make Belichick, does that increase his greatness in your mind or decrease it? You know, that he hasn't been able to pass on the success to other guys. You see other people like Andy Reid and others that they seem to have pretty fruitful 
you know, uh, coaching trees. Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, guys that go other places and have some immediate success, have some success even when it's not expected. Has not been the case with anybody under Bill Belichick. So it's so interesting. Does that say that Belichick isn't as great because he can't pass on the wisdom and knowledge that he clearly possesses to his assistants so that they can on some level replicate it? Or does it speak more to Belichick's greatness and say, yeah, I mean, they can see what he does, but they just can't replicate it or get even close. I And th- I don't know the answer, Dave. I, I, I really don't. I, I guess I would argue that it probably speaks to Belichick's greatness, that even though these guys see what he does, see how he does it, that they can't replicate it. Or maybe it just speaks to Brady's greatness, and maybe we need Brady to retire or go somewhere else so we can really see what Belichick's made of. As someone who covered that team for a number of seasons, and I probably wax poetic far too often about those experiences in Boston, I do believe it strengthens the case for Bill Belichick being the greatest coach in the history of all professional sports because in my time there and since I've been gone, it's always been clear to me. Yes, there can be a great offensive mind, a great defensive mind, a good special teams coach, but I'm sorry, at the end of the day, Bill Belichick oversees everything. Now, you could argue that makes him look even more guilty with the latest Spygate accusations. I do think it makes him more guilty because he had to know what was going on with that advanced scout. But I believe Belichick is the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and the special teams coach. And at the end of the day, that's why he is the best coach in the game today, in any game today, or in any sport we've ever seen. He is all presence, all things for that organization. I sure hope Josh McDaniel goes somewhere and has a great coaching career. I just don't believe we'll ever see someone learn under Bill Belichick because what he has, you simply cannot teach. You cannot help someone get that mind. No one's ever had it in the history of sports. Talk to him. You'll figure that out. To me, no question. Strengthens his argument for greatness. Let me me say this, Dave, okay? Yeah. In 24 years as a head coach, Bill Belichick has made the playoffs one year in which Tom Brady was not his quarterback. So Mm -hmm. in six years, that's four in Cleveland and two in New England, 2000 when Bledsoe was the starter, 2008, when Brady got hurt. In six years as a head coach, and look, I was there. The guy is a brilliant, brilliant coaching mind. He knows offense. He knows defense. He knows special teams. He knows what makes the other team tick. There is no question. But when you're trying to say, hey, he is the greatest in the history of professional sports, I just don't know how you can separate him from the greatest quarterback, in my opinion, of all time, and leader, and player, in Tom Brady. We know, now Tom Brady hasn't had the opportunity to do anything anywhere other than with Belichick. But Belichick has. He's had six seasons as a head coach without Tom Brady. He's made the playoffs one year 
in those six seasons. One time mm-hmm. has he made the playoffs in six seasons. That's not real good on your resume if you're trying to be the greatest coach of all time. I mean, that's that's to me. I've said it before. Guys like Parcells. I think Joe Gibbs has made the playoffs with seven different non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Are you kidding me? And won Super Bowls with three different non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a lot less years than Belichick. So I I, I don't – we can go either way on the – I give him the benefit of the doubt on the coaching tree thing. But I can't go there on the greatest. He'll have a chance to show he's the greatest when Brady's gone. He's going to have a golden opportunity to prove himself. Uh, Let's talk more about some Cleveland Browns players, most notably the aforementioned Odell Beckham Jr. Because the problem was always his quarterback, right? Well, is it anymore? Let's ask Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Got to check them out, pff.com, best information anywhere on the sports. Sam, what's up, my friend? Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. The problem was always his quarterback. So I looked at your grades this morning, and I it took me a while to find him. Nowhere near the top 10 or 20 or 30, graded number 58 for wide receivers. Why? Yeah, I mean, I've got a piece coming out on PFF.com today that says Odell Beckham is a big part of the problem in Cleveland. Um, you know, he is he's not playing the way he has in the past. And, you know, it's it's been reported that he's been dealing with a sports hernia injury all season long. And maybe that's the reason. But whatever the reason is, you know, he isn't just a victim of circumstance. He's not just a guy who's getting screwed by everything else around him being bad and you know, the idea that he's trying to get out the door to go somewhere else. Look, he's dropping passes. He's got the second most drops in his career so far this season. There's a ton of other plays that aren't technically drops, but are the receiver fault type uh, incompletions. You know, you think of a couple of dimes that Baker Mayfield has dropped into his hands, but he's double caught them or he's, you know, hasn't been able to secure the catch before he's gone out of bounds. And then him and Baker Mayfield, and this isn't just an Odell Beckham problem, but Jarvis Landry is the same. Those guys just can't get on the same page with their quarterback in terms of where they're supposed to be, whether it's uh, running the right routes, whether it's breaking at the right depth, the right angle. They just haven't been able to get on the same page all season long. So everything is a mess in Cleveland right now. But Odell Beckham is a part of the problem. He isn't just a guy that's getting screwed by circumstance. Yeah, I want to get to Baker, Sam. How much worse is he playing this year? than last year and what do you attribute that to when you break down every snap he plays I mean I think he's playing significantly worse and certainly worse than we thought he was going to you know whether it's that much worse than a year ago is I think a bit debatable but last year we thought his his trajectory was heading up the whole way it was a, a positive curve and we expected him to really kick on this year and become you know one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL but instead, it's gone the other way, and it's it's really nosedived. And everybody thinks it's the bad plays. The interceptions are up. And, but really, his, his turnover-worthy play rate is pretty much the same as it was a year ago. So he's suffering a little bit from sort of bad interception luck. You know, more of those throws are getting picked off than they were a season ago, and it's making his numbers look worse than they were. 
But really the big thing is the big plays have disappeared. So last year, you know, his big time throw rate was almost 8%. That's a monstrous number. Those are the highest graded throws that PFF makes. So whether it's tight window stuff, whether it's deep down the field, the big impact plays. And this year, his rate is almost halved. He's just not making the same volume of big plays that he did a season ago. And then the other thing that's abandoned him is accuracy. Um, All the way through his college career and in his rookie season, his accuracy was really spectacular. And then this season, it's it's really fallen away completely. Um, Mike Renner did a piece on on PFF.com that was basically asking the question, what the hell has happened to Baker Mayfield? And one of the things he found is if you just look at sort of throws from a, a you know straight drop backs, clean pocket, his accuracy is, all, I think it's second worst in the NFL. So he should be at the top end of that kind of, uh, those kind of statistics. He is fundamentally an accurate quarterback, but this year just hasn't been there. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mariah's Classic took 25 years to hit number one on the charts. Love that story. Made me wonder, is it clearly the goat of all Christmas music? And who is the closest thing professional sports has to compare it to. Ross Tucker, your thoughts? Well, I like that song. I don't know that I love it. Um, Mm. I like it. I think it's a good Christmas song. I really like that movie, Love Actually. That's a good movie. I'm with you on that. That's a good movie. I actually like... Billy Bob Thornton as the American president in that movie, he kind of cracks me up. <laughs> he's, he's, kind, he's such, yeah. he's, he, he nails the stereotype very, very well in that movie. But I like, I like the more classic traditional Christmas songs. Like when I'm scrolling through the radio dial or the radio.com app, I am going through and there's different kinds of Christmas stations and Christmas music you can listen to. I like traditional, right? Like my goat Christmas song would be, you ready for it? Bing Crosby. 
Here we go. I don't even know. It might be Bing Crosby. I have no idea who sings it, but it goes like this. And maybe it's because I'm from Pennsylvania. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Just like the one we had before. Where the I don't know the words. I never actually pay attention. But I know it sounds like this and starts with a dream about a white Christmas. That's what I got for you. (laughs) Put it on the Ross Tucker mixtape. That will be the number one billboard hit for 2020. The Ross Tucker mixtape is going to tear up the charts. Yes, sir. That is Bing Crosby, White Christmas. And that to me is is that like the most famous Christmas song? I think without a doubt, although Jingle Bells, I think you'd have to argue Jingle Bells is the most famous Christmas song. Bing Crosby's, to me, White Christmas makes me think of Christmas the most. (laughs) And prior to Mariah was number one, but it's number two for me. And number three, I don't know if you know, do you know nitty gritty dirt band Colorado Christmas? No. Ah, uh, see, so yeah, it's like sports, right? All things is local. And I don't know if people outside of Colorado know Colorado Christmas. All right, all right, here goes. All along the Rockies, you can't feel it in the air. From Telluride to Boulder down below. No, not ringing a bell. The closest thing to heaven on this planet anywhere. Is a quiet Christmas morning in the Colorado snow. Nothing. You know no? what? You're not you're not a terrible singer. I've never heard that in my yes, life. I am. I'm you're not a terrible it. singer. But for me, it's 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 white Christmas. It's Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. Reindeer yeah, had a little yeah. shiny nose. I mean, like I like the classic stuff. Jingle bells. My daughters were getting real upset the other day, Dave. I was driving them back from somewhere, and I was doing, like, the uh, the bad version of Jingle Bells, but I was trying to insert their names. I was like, Ooh. Jingle Bells, Helen Smells, Tess laid an egg. And they were like, what? No, Daddy, no, don't do that. Like, that was, like, that. they were, they, that was devastating to them. Devastating. <laughs> devastating is the word I would have used. Devastating is also the word you might use when you saw the reaction to the Christmas commercial that has been a topic of conversation on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Yahoo, on news programs like mine and radio shows like this for the last several weeks. I'm talking, of course, about that now infamous Peloton ad where the husband gets the Peloton for Christmas. She makes a bit of a proof of life like face and the conversation has not stopped since you've heard from the Peloton wife. Monica Ruiz was on the today show last week and said her face she thinks was the problem with how the ad was interpreted. What about the Peloton husband, his name, for those of you that don't know, is Sean Hunter, who is also a teacher, a profession we dearly love. And quite frankly, Sean Hunter is in friendly territory because both Ross Tucker and myself were in the minority. We loved the ad, Sean Hunter. We're so psyched to have you on the program because the two of us have defended that ad from the very beginning. 
Sean, full disclosure, I bought my wife a Peloton for Christmas a couple of years ago. I had no choice. It's great to talk to you, my friend. What's been the feedback on this ad and your appearance in it? There, there has been an outstanding amount of feedback coming my way. I switched my Instagram handle to Peloton Husband in the hopes of getting a few more conversations going, in the hopes of seeing a few more people that do interviews. And things have gone really positively. Also, super negatively, it's been both. It's been a mixed bag. I, I can't even begin to express the sheer amount that I've been receiving. I've been receiving calls to just have conversations, just a few uh, thank yous, a few, oh, I hate yous, and why are you doing this? And a few, ah, okay, I need to maybe step back a little bit, but it's, you know, it's been a wild goose chase. You know, some people try to find me uh, and have interviews, but also I'm happy just to be here with you guys now and discuss it because yes, this is, you know, it's become quite the thing. And I want to really dive deep into knowing why it's become quite a thing. I mean, I'm, as you can tell, super happy to speak out on it. Um, this is something that I, I've been enjoying the conversations uh, over the past week. It's only, I mean, it's really only been a week or two weeks that th this has all been happening. And so here we are and let, let's get chatting about it. All right. So Sean, after you switched your Instagram handle to Peloton husband, have you yeah. gotten backlash? Have you got, man, you touched on it a little bit, but have you gotten like people that you think legitimately are angry at you for your role in this commercial? Yeah. So I would say about 95% has been super positive. And that's what I, I wasn't anticipating. I didn't really know what to anticipate after I switched. Uh, but 95% has been amazing. It's been really grateful. A lot, a lot of people have said, you know, great job on the commercial. I don't understand the controversy. Here's my two cents into it. A few people, a few men actually messaged me and said, I bought my wife a Peloton. And just like yourself, I, I don't understand why. It was a great gift. She enjoys it. And, and here we are today. But then that 5%, I have received a little bit of backlash. I, I kind of felt that, yeah, maybe that was going to happen. Maybe switching over to Peloton Husband is a big giveaway that, yes, I'm asking for it a little bit. But that 5% has just been easily deleted messages where I just go, no, not today. I'm not going to read that one today. It doesn't really matter to me. And it's just hurtful for the sake of being hurtful. But the 95%, just like I've been saying, has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. So it has been nice. It has been nice to receive. Talking to Sean Hunter, otherwise known as the Peloton Husband. That's his name <laughs> on Instagram. You took to Psychology Today to write a piece yeah. reacting to the backlash, citing mm -hmm. one particular tweet. And if I can read this tweet, sorry yeah. to shake things up, but I'm excited to announce I'm throwing my hat on the ring and joining the presidential race and running on the single issue platform to, quote, jail everyone involved in the pitching, scripting, acting, shooting and approval of the Peloton ad jail time. That tweet was liked 18.5 thousand times tweets like that, including one that said, 100% chance that the Peloton husband is abusive. What was your reaction to that negativity? Yeah, it, it just, you know, to be liked 18 and a half thousand times. I mean, that's, that's not just a few people. That's a huge reaction to what they're seeing. And let me tell you from the set point of view, when we were working on that set, it was just a few days here in Vancouver. It was 
so positive. There was a mainly female presence on set, which I want to reiterate. It was everybody looking at the script going, yep, this is what we want to shoot. This is the commercial that we want to put out for Christmas holidays. This is our message and we stand by it. And as and that's why, of course, the commercial hasn't been taken down because Peloton Peloton reached out to me and they said, they said, Sean, this this is the commercial we wanted. This we don't see what's wrong with it. It's something that we want to keep up because, you know, it's it's our message. And it, it should have been so simple. And I still see it from that point of view of, yes, it's a husband buying his wife a Peloton for Christmas. And I think this is how all of the problems maybe could have been solved, is that there should have been maybe a wish list, just just up for a small shot and said Peloton, and then a check mark beside it. That that maybe would have solved all of this controversy. And so that that's what people are seeing is maybe there was one thing left out, or there was another small point that they didn't grab onto. And you know, I I still I, I had such a great time shooting here. And when I'm when I went back to work on Wednesday, went back to teaching, I thought, yeah, that was great. I'm so grateful for the experience. So to have such an outroar of 18 and a half thousand likes that everybody should be jailed. I mean, it's just like even saying it right. You're laughing. It's it's it, it yeah. does. It makes me chuckle, too. And I, you know, I, I want to know seriously, though, I want to know seriously why somebody said that and why somebody liked that. It's it, tell me why. Tell me why. So, Sean, here's my question. Do yeah. you think that the bigger issue was just the act of the husband giving the wife a Peloton for Christmas in the first place? Or do you think it was uh, your co-actress, the you know, Ruiz, what, do you think it was her, her face that she made when... It, she did. There's something about her face that was a yeah. little bit like concerning almost. What do you think was it that was the tipping point? Because what I thought was weird is the commercial was going for like two weeks and nobody said anything. And all of a sudden it was this big negative thing. Was it the yeah. act of giving the Peloton or was it her face? The, the, you're completely right. The commercial went on for about a week or so, totally unnoticed. And it was just getting views on YouTube. It was getting likes. It was still getting dislikes, but it was neutral. No, nothing was really happening yet. And so you bring up a good point about Monica's face, as, as you could say. She called me and that was her first concern. She goes, Sean, is, is this something to do with my face? Is this why the commercial is getting all this negative backlash? And I rewatched it. I watched it again. And I went, Monica, no, it's fine. I don't, I don't know what you're what you're talking about here and she was talking about her expressive eyebrows she was talking about it seemed like she was worried when she received the gift now <laughs> this now keep in mind this is one final edit of all the hundreds of takes we took on that day i don't know why peloton maybe chose the edit that they did because that is raising a lot of concern and a lot of uh discussion about how her acting was on the day i don't think it was that though i think it was the first act of a husband giving a wife the Peloton and then Monica already seeming like a fit wife that doesn't need a Peloton. And that's where it all, you know, started to, you know, a little bit of fuel to the fire where, whoa, here's two things that I'm seeing wrong. I'm going to throw this out of proportion. Let's talk about this. Let's get 18,000 and a half negative votes and let's all send them to jail. And so it just, you know, it spiraled out of control. Right. But I think it was the act. I think it was the gesture. 
without understanding why this husband was giving the gesture. Sean Hunter, the Peloton husband with us. It wasn't just social media. To my count, just about every major newspaper in the United States wrote a column about this ad. Washington Post, New York Times, Chicago Tribune. Here's a clip from the USA Today uh, story on it. There's clearly something wrong here. She's trying to compensate for something. Is it her crumbling marriage? Her husband's not-so-subtle <laughs> suggestion, she drop a few pounds. Do you have <laughs> rules, Sean, for when a husband should or should not buy his already skinny hot wife exercise equipment for the holidays? Oh, my goodness. I mean... Just hearing that, just hearing people invent these dialogues about the commercial, they they do. They make me laugh because it's just so far from the story that Peloton was trying to display. My So as you guys know, I'm a teacher, but I'm not just a teacher. I'm a gym teacher. So I promote the power of physical health and physical activity. So it just connects to my life so well. I think of my girlfriend, for example, and what she wanted for Christmas. I'm not gonna tell you what I got her for Christmas, but yes, it is something along the lines of a physical activity and we're gonna do it together. And I, I can't really give too many more hints, but she asked for it, we talked about it together and we're gonna do it together and it's gonna be an amazing adventure for the two of us. But it's something that, you know, there was no, oh, why are you buying me that? Are you saying I'm fat? No, there was nothing along the lines of that at all. When we talked about it, she was like, oh, that's interesting. Let's do that together. Let's see how it goes. And if she doesn't like it, she can return it, of course. We can do that. That's not a big issue. So it's, I think about the discussion of buying something together, that buying something that maybe could seem okay. Let's, right. uh, let's see if this is okay at the start. And if you don't like it, then return it. There was never any question in the Peloton ad that my wife returned it. So, I don't, right. you know, it seems like it's obviously something she wanted. Sean, we have a young producer on the staff, and I'm asking this question for him because his girlfriend has not asked for exercise equipment nor exercise clothing. Therein lies my question. If, you're, yeah. if you haven't discussed it together, if your wife hasn't explicitly asked you for said equipment or clothing, is it okay to buy them that for Christmas? Or is that uh -huh. sending a message? I would say, first and foremost, uh, never buy your significant other clothing because they like things so specific that, you know, it would uh, it's almost a guarantee it'll be returned. Whether it's a great gesture or not, I would say, just don't even do that. Uh, that's a whole other conversation, though. Um, but I would say without the conversation, yeah, maybe don't do it. Maybe have the conversation first saying, I'm thinking about getting you something along these lines. How do you feel about that? And I think that would be a much better segue into, okay, yes, now I'm going to buy this for you because you, we kind of talked about it and I'm getting, the, I'm getting the feeling that this is something you could use and would like to do. And so, yes, the conversation first, I do feel that that is important. Home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Perhaps there is where the Washington Redskins turn to find their next head coach. The organization has been a mess for the better part of 20 years, and things continue to get worse. But on Sunday, a glimmer of hope. Urban Meyer was in Dan Snyder's box for the Redskins game. 
Although close friends came out and said, truth is, he was in town for the Army-Navy game that was in Philly, and then for a dinner or meeting with the White House, he was not there to meet with Dan Snyder to talk about the coaching job. You did see him spend a lot of time talking to his former players, most notably the excellent rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin, who's just been outstanding. Of course, also the Redskins quarterback, uh, a former Ohio State Buckeye. But the question was immediately popping through the nation's capital. Is Urban Meyer going to return to the coaching ranks? But this time in the NFL, we've seen him succeed at Bowling Green. We've seen him succeed at Utah and, of course, at Ohio State. But what about the NFL? How would that translate that, of course, was a hot topic on 106.7, the fan in D.C. as we fire back up the radio.com red zone. He was within an hour and 20 minutes away from D.C., where one of his favorite players of the last couple of years, Terry McLaurin, is the number one receiver for the Redskins, and his quarterback, who helped him win the Big Ten last year, is starting for the Redskins as well in Dwayne Haskins. McLaurin hits him up and says, hey, coach, come watch us. But you know what it became was Urban Meyer is going to be the next head coach of the Redskins. Are you giving it any credence, yes or no? Binary, one or zero, it's a zero, yeah. right? But if it's like on one to 100, is there a chance that this was a recruiting attempt at Urban Meyer? Three out of 100? I mean, I, just, I think this yeah. is a non Do you think him and Dan Snyder talked about the head coaching job yesterday? No. I don't either. I'm a lifelong Redskins fan, first of all, I'm 58 years old. But to me, I think it would be pretty much insane to have that man in your living room, so to speak, and not, you know, throw something at him like, you know, what would he be interested in? So he'd easily be the best hire we could get the offseason for a couple reasons. Most importantly, obviously, because he's had, he's had three years with Dwayne Haskins. He knows what he can do, what he can't do. He knows how he best learns. That takes coaches a while to learn with young quarterbacks. We have defensive pieces. He doesn't strike me as a head coach that's going to put up with BS like Jay Gruden did when Minuski wasn't performing. He's going to get a DC in there that's going to actually get the best out of these guys. I like the idea, E.B., but there's no way this guy can cut it with the grind of the NFL. I mean, he burned out on two college jobs. You think he's going to handle the pressure of failing in D.C.? I mean, he's, even if he gives him a five-year, $10 million a year deal, he doesn't make it to see year three. Maybe he gets to year three. That might be enough. I can't imagine him having the kind of tenure he would need to really succeed here. That's 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Check them out on the radio.com app anytime you like. Urban Meyer, my one question would be that of the last caller. Would he burn out? Is he up for the task of coaching an NFL franchise, which is not what it used to be 10 or 15 years ago? This is an all-consuming job. First one in, last one out. Remember the way Bill Cowher used to coach, said he always went to his kids' activities and sports. That's not the game any longer. You're in there at 6 or 7 a.m. A lot of times you're out at 10 p.m. A lot of times you're sleeping at the office. In terms of the coach, to me, folks, I'm shocked this is even a question. Why this is even dividing sports fans is ridiculous. Urban Meyer can win some football games. Urban Meyer can also spot talent with the best of them in all of football. The numbers back it up. At Ohio State, 84 players 
drafted into the NFL, 23 first rounders. And how about the stats? How about the coaching record? Urban Meyer's teams in his entire coaching career, that's all three stops, lost four games once, lost five games once, but lost one or fewer games eight times in his 17 seasons. Urban Meyer can spot talent. Urban Meyer can coach him up. And now the difference between a college offense and a pro, that gap has significantly narrowed. I think he'd be an outstanding hire, Ross, if he's up to the task of the commitment of the job. You. Totally agree. And look, I know what Jerry Jones said recently about the track record of college coaches in the NFL. But I think that that is changing because I think more than ever, the NFL is morphing into college football as opposed to the opposite. You know, all these NFL teams are going to spend a lot of time this offseason going to colleges to study how to defend the Baltimore Ravens offense as well as how to potentially incorporate some aspects of the Baltimore Ravens offense into their offense. Who knows that stuff better than Urban Meyer? And they always say, Dave, and it's true, the best predictor of future performance is past success. And you think about Urban Meyer, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State, he's four for four. I mean, the guy is four for four. That's extremely impressive. Now, he was a great recruiter. Will that translate to the NFL? You lose that. You lose that element of it for sure. There isn't really recruiting. But to have Haskins as the quarterback there and to have McLaurin as their best offensive weapon, it's a pretty good start. It's a really good start. You could do much worse if you're the Redskins than hiring Urban Meyer because of all the reasons we mentioned. Familiarity with the quarterback and the players proven track record, big name. They need a buzz. They need something to get the fans back enfranchised. And I think that's exactly what Urban Meyer would do. I don't really see the downside other than the fact I think Urban Meyer would probably rather go to the Dallas Cowboys. And that might be an option for him. What you can sell Urban Meyer on in Washington over Dallas. And I believe that they both will be very interested. I think the selling point in Washington, Dave, would be twofold. Number one, much lower expectations. A much lower entry point. He gets them the 500 and playing meaningful games in December. He's a hero. In Dallas, people will hate that. It'll really be almost Super Bowl or bust in Dallas. That makes a difference. That's number one. Number two, in Washington, I think they'll give him the keys to the kingdom, Dave. I think he'll be the de facto GM. I think he'll be able to bring in a personnel person that he knows that he wants to work with but ultimately have final say. I think that's what it would take to get him to go to Washington instead of Dallas. And we all know that that would simply never be the case with the Cowboys. So that's the pitch if you're Dan Snyder. And I think this the Redskins should absolutely go for Urban Meyer for all the reasons I mentioned. Whether you like him or not personally, whether or not you think he's a good human being, um, 
I think if you can separate those things, he's a slam dunk hire for all the reasons we mentioned. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.